0: So, Troy's message on Sunday was, Who do you think you are? Because you could say it like that if you wanted to. So, my title, even though I didn't like plan to have one, it just came to me, would be, What were you thinking? <laughs> so, who do you think you are? And what were you thinking? Very interesting for the week. <laughs> Don't let your mind think whatever it wants. That's really what the message is tonight. Because I think we're, um, we can be so lazy in our minds. I mean, even now, like halfway through that song, I'm like trailing off and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> get, your, get back on focus here. It's so easy to do that. And we need to be strong by the grace of God to not let our minds think whatever it wants because it will totally do whatever it wants to do if you do not, you know, take action. Um so, when your mind gets thinking of what it shouldn't, you need to speak to it. And I feel like I've shared I share this a lot whenever I'm asked to share. Um but as I was, you know, considering what what to prepare for tonight. There could be like many topics I could just create an outline of and share on. I mean, that's so possible if Pastor Dave had said, share on healing, I mean, or share on prosperity or whatever. You could just make an outline. But it, it, it's more meaningful to me when I can share something that like I live day in, day out. I mean, of course I, need, I live healing, you live all those things, but something that's very real in my practical every five minute life and that is really my mind, taking authority in over what, what occurs in my mind. And so again, if you're thinking, Omega shared this before, I probably have, but when your mind gets thinking of what it shouldn't, speak to it. I remember, and I usually share this too, I remember the first time Sarah Nazar preached on a Sunday morning, she preached about, I don't know if this was the main topic or if it was just a portion of it, but this was years ago, a decade or more, she said when, when the thought comes to your mind that shouldn't be there, you need to say no to your mind. And that doesn't mean just like physically telling no inside yourself, I mean, if you need to verbally and literally say no, do it. I, I often do literally say no. Sometimes if I'm in a place where I can't really say no, I might say it in my mind, but no, I'm not going to think about that. And get rid of that thought the moment it starts. And in many cases, you'll then need to replace it with what the truth is. So get it, get it out of there and then replace it with the truth. So I want to start with an example. So if you want to turn to Galatians 5.1, we have a couple of scriptures out of Galatians, which we've been studying. We'll start in Galatians chapter five, verse one. Anyway, Sarah's message really stuck with me and I know that it has saved my life um, many a time. Because your, your life is, is a result of what occurs in your mind. That is what's gonna, if, if something is, is, you let that something roll around and around, good or bad, that is what's gonna come forth. That's the fruit that's gonna be born. So if you go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made, hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Um, an example in my life, when I was in Ghana, so I went, for those who may not know, I went to Ghana and West Africa right out of high school. So I graduated, you know, in May of 2003, and I went to Ghana in September that same year. So I was very young, and um, I knew that's what God wanted me to do. But it was very fast. I graduated, knew I wanted, knew God wanted me to do missionary work in Africa. Didn't know how that was going to happen. Long story short, I got connected with overseers of a Damata Bible School in Ghana at a Fire for the Nations conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I met with him, and three weeks later, I was on a plane to Ghana. That's how, like, really fast it was. And so this was the first time I had been anywhere near to being away from home, and um, it was challenging. I had a lot of homesickness. And I'm so glad I went through it then and not when I moved to Kenya. That would have been a different experience. I feel like that, I was glad I got that out. Um, when i went to ghana but it was really difficult and so you know in that fragile state that i was in the devil like had a field day and so um keep the devil is so like crafty and the enemy is because get this i'm 18 years old I've completely decided to give my life to the things of God. I'm in a foreign country, away from everything I know. And guess what the lie the devil told me that I decided to believe? You're not doing enough. (laughs) Isn't that ridiculous? Which he often tells us that lie. You're not doing enough when you are doing something because he wants to get you off track. But he was like, you're not doing enough. You should be doing more. You should be praying more. You should be studying more. You should be, you know, going door to door, preaching the gospel more. You should be doing more. So all this guilt and condemnation was like heaping itself upon me. And it was really difficult, It was super difficult. So this was like the first, I came home at Christmas. So this was like the fall time. And I still had a glorious time and lots of good things. And I learned so much as I was attending Bible school while I was there. But that was oppressing me during that time. And you know, he planted that thought, and then I kept thinking about it. And the biggest lie was as I was getting so excited to come home for Christmas, because I was so homesick, he was telling me things like, oh, you shouldn't go home for Christmas. What kind of missionary are you? You've only been here a few months. You should stay. Just think of all the people that you could reach So then all that guilt and condemnation that I'm leaving here to go, you know, home to Christmas, who, what kind of person am I, you know. Anyway, I let it happen. I let the thoughts, I let my mind think whatever it wanted, and it just went on and on and on. So I, you know, knew the truth really inside myself, and so I I got a, a hold of it, and I began to speak it, and I started to come out of it, and I got, you know, a lot of, Um, Support when I got home and stuff And I was like free And I went back to Ghana after Christmas And I can remember I can like see myself in my mind's eye I can remember shortly after I got back I was sitting in the overseers of the Bible school in their vehicle I live with them And we were driving into the city to like pay a bill it was ridiculous, there was so much traffic and so little roads that it would take four hours just to drive in town to pay a bill and drive back. It was so crazy, or eat lunch, or buy groceries. So we sat in the car a lot, and so I was just sitting there and I can remember looking out the window and these thoughts started to creep in again. The devil was trying it out again, the guilt and condemnation, and I heard God say to me, not audibly, but like really, really loud in my spirit. Like I knew he said it. And he said, stand fast, therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made made you free, you know, he spoke it to me, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I heard it. So what was I to do in that moment to not let my mind think whatever it wanted and be free of that oppression. I needed to say that to myself every five seconds until it was reality and any time those thoughts tried to come back, say it again. And you know, I would like to say that I did that and I had the victory immediately. I didn't quite, I got a little bit back under the, back in the, the grave of that again and had to dig back out with that scripture. But I got out again and I was fine and it was short and he didn't get a hold of me again. But that was a scripture. So for quite a while past that, maybe more than a year, I often, he, if that thought would come to my mind, I often would say, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free and be not entangled again with any yoke of bondage. And then would, and the thought just goes and you have replaced it with the truth. That is the necessity in the life of a believer. Really in anyone's life. Because we'll talk about some natural things tonight too that totally support this biblical truth. We can't let our minds think on whatever it wants. It will be to our detriment and we have to replace it and get out of our mouths the truth of what we really need to be thinking on. To me, this you know, a thought coming, you saying no to it and speaking the truth, that to me is spiritual warfare. I don't know, i don't have a scripture for you on that, and I don't even know if that's really a biblical term, but that to me is spiritual warfare because that's the enemy attacking, because this is where he operates, and then you coming back with the sword of the spirit, we're gonna read that scripture in a little bit, which is the word of God and counteracting that attack. That to me is spiritual warfare. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Luther it's a movie about the life of or not the whole life but the transformation of Martin Luther he was you know a Catholic priest and he got revelation of really what the gospel was and of course that's what Lutheranism came from it's a really good movie I really highly suggest it came out like eight years ago or something like that or maybe even longer than that Um, but it's a really really good movie and in that movie you'll often see him when he was like you know coming into revelation he was being told it was heresy so i mean just think of that battle these people who he had devoted his life to you know in the catholic religion and had you know given his whole life to this now he's suddenly thinking, I don't think this is right. I don't think how they, you know, this doctrine isn't correct. This isn't what the Bible is saying. I mean, think of the, the battle within the mind there. And you'll see in that movie that he would be like doing something, and then you don't necessarily know what he's hearing in his mind, but you can tell that he's hearing things in his mind, because then he just starts to speak things. And people think he's kind of crazy, because he's kind of walking around talking to himself. But he, he, he's, that's spiritual warfare. He was not going to let those thoughts reside in his mind. And so when the devil would come in, he would speak to counteract that attack. And of course, you know, he came through that and just opened the door to where we are today. Big part of where we are today. And set a lot of people free right in that era as well. I recommend that movie. If you can find it in this, maybe on Netflix. Um... But that, to me, is spiritual warfare. And I, I feel like this does um, confirm that in 2 Corinthians. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Oh, what am I doing? Chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It says here, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So it talks about warfare right there, that there are imaginations, that we, can, that we can create or that can come to us in our minds. High things that try to exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. And it says right here, you need to bring those into captivity, those thoughts. It says the word thought there. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The obedience of Christ, to me, I've heard that's like, bring it, bring it. Every thought captive to the cross, because that was the Christ's obedience. I've heard that explanation. My, you know, inside myself, I would say bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and really they're the same anyway. But to me, Christ is the Word. I mean, the Word and Christ are synonymous. So bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ is bringing it captive to the Word. So that's why you take the Word and you counteract that untruth, that imagination that you know, ridiculous notion of untruth and you replace it with the word and you bring it into obedience. Mind, you're going to obey the word. You're not going to think about whatever you want to think about. You're gonna obey the word. So clearly, the enemy attacks through the mind. That's where he operates. I believe there may be instances where a devil or a demon may actually appear in, in form and speak to someone. He did to Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about in a moment here. But typically, it's going to be all right here. It's him. Because he can't speak to your spirit. Your spirit is one with God. They're not connected in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But, you know, your soul and your body, they're in the world still. And that's where he's going to come in and, and try to take action. It's right there in your mind. So let's go to Matthew 4. And let's see Jesus as our example of dealing with this. Now, in this example, he is physically, I believe, I guess that's what it appears as you read it, physically speaking to Jesus, but it's the very, very same concept. So in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, it's the account of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. So right after he was baptized, he was led by the Holy Spirit, it says, into the wilderness. And he, was, he fasted for 40 days, and he was tempted by the enemy. And as the devil spoke to Jesus, he had to decide what his response was going to be. You know, Jesus was 100% God. He also was 100% man. It says he was tempted. So he definitely, we're in Hebrews, it says that he was tempted in all respects like we were, yet without sinning. So he was truly tempted. Don't think like it was just a party and an easy thing for him. He had to make decisions just like we have to make decisions. He had grace without measure to do it. Praise God. But he had to decide how he was gonna respond to the enemy when he spoke to him. When the devil speaks to us, or really any time a thought comes, because I understand that they can originate in different places. It can be from something you see on TV, on the news. It can be something you hear in music or on the radio. It can be something a friend says, something a coworker says, something a family member says. something you read in a newspaper or a book. There's lots of sources. But the origination of everything that would try to steal from you, kill you, destroy you in life, it comes from the enemy. And so when the devil speaks to you, when those thoughts come that are not in agreement with God's word, you have to decide what your response will be. You're going to let it hang out? Are you going to maybe believe it? Or are you going to know what the word of God says and immediately judge it? That makes me think of something. I want to go there real quick. Um, Let me find it. I think it's in John 10. No. Where is that? Give me just a second here. I really want to find that. Know what's right on this side of my Bible. I'm obviously a visual person. I have pictures in my mind. Uh get too far. I'll paraphrase it if I can't find it here. I know it's, is it says it in amplified. It talks about um, as the voice comes to me, I judge, and I do not judge according to my. As the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. Oh, I don't know where that is. I'll paraphrase it here, and if I figure it out later, I'll read it later. But basically, Jesus is speaking. And he says, he's basically talking about how he's ruled by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy has given complete control to the Holy Spirit. And it talks about that as a voice comes to him, he judges it. He judges is this the Holy Spirit, or is this not the Holy Spirit, the enemy or my flesh, or whatever? He judges. And he talks about how he doesn't judge according to his flesh because he's, you know, given his life in, to the control of the Holy Spirit. And so as that voice comes to him, he gives a decision. He makes a decision that is the Holy Spirit that isn't the Holy Spirit, and it governs how he operates. That's the same thing for us. Does those voices come to us, as those thoughts come to us, we need to give a decision. Am I going to think on this because it's the truth, or am I going to get this out of my head because it is not the truth? and it will not produce good fruit in my life. We must make that same decision. So as we look in Matthew chapter 4, you can see here that Jesus was attacked on all three fronts. He was attacked body, soul, and spirit. He was attacked on all three fronts. And that the devil attacks us on all three fronts. So if we start here in verse... Um, in verse one here it says, then Jesus was led and guided by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness or desert to be tempted, tested, and tried by the devil. And here at first it talks about how he was attacked in the body. So it says here in verse two, and he went without food for 40 days and 40 nights, and later he was hungry. I think that's a little bit of an understatement. <laughs> I think, I think Matthew could have said he was starving. He couldn't wait to eat something, okay? I mean, I can't even imagine. He went without food for 40 days and 40 nights. And later he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are God's son... You'll notice that the enemy always says that to him in this portion of Scripture. He says, If you are God's son... You know, the devil says the same thing to us. He often will say, if you are saved, if you are really saved, which basically is saying, if you are a son of God, if you are a daughter of God, he says the same thing to us. He said to Jesus, if you are God's son, command these stones to be made loaves of bread. He was hungry. How many of you like to prove yourselves? Oh yeah, so I'm sure he had that feeling. Don't you question. Yeah, I could do that. You know, those, those human thoughts, I'm sure, came to him. But he made a decision. And he replied, it has been written, man shall not live and be upheld and sustained by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. See, so he was like, I'm not governed. The truth is, I'm not governed by my body. I don't live by bread. I live by the word of God, and so I know that my Father will sustain me. So I don't need to turn these loaves to bread. I don't need to prove myself to you. He immediately said no to those thoughts and replaced it with the word. So examples of what, I mean, there are five million, trillion examples of how the devil could attack you in the body, but some examples might be, it's only one drink. It's only one. Or he might say, you have a pain in your leg that is probably a blood clot. You are probably going to die while you sleep tonight. Now, do we ignore signs in our bodies? course, we do not. If we really think we have an issue, we should go see the doctor. But those are the kinds of things he might say. Or it's only, you know, it won't really, it's only one, I'm thinking of drugs. It's only one, it's not going to hurt you that bad. Those are the ways that he attacks our body. Then we see in verse 7 how the enemy came against Jesus spiritually. He said to him, verse five, and the devil took him into the holy city and placed him on a pinnacle of the temple sanctuary. So he's in the church, basically, of that day. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give give his angels charge over you And they will bear you up on their hands, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So he quoted scripture to him. But Jesus was not deceived. And he said no. And he replaced that thought with what the word says. And he said to him, on the other hand, it is written also, you shall not tempt, test thoroughly, or try exceedingly the Lord your God. So, I should not throw myself down just to prove and try God at his word. He says not to do that. So ways that the enemy might come at you in your mind, on the spiritual front, he might say to you, is God's word really true? It didn't happen in her life. She was praying all the time, and she still died from that sickness. Or she always talks about tithing, but she's, she never has any extra money. Is God's word really true? Or is that really what God meant? So you get some big revelation of God's word and you feel empowered and free, the devil's gonna come right into your mind and he's gonna say, is that what God really meant? Are you sure? And if you don't take authority over that, you'll lose that revelation. It'll be, it'll go. It's not worth it. Or he might say, this is kinda what I shared earlier that I dealt with in Ghana, if you really love God, you better go preach the gospel to that person. Or you better give that bigger offering. Or you, you better be in that Christmas program. Or you better invite her to church. Makes you question your salvation. Anytime you hear something like that and you feel pressure to do it, like you don't feel empowered to do it, you don't feel encouraged to do it, you feel pressured to do it, you can know it is not your father. It is not how he operates. He is not, That. that that's, that would be like someone who wants to force you to do things, and that is totally not the Holy Spirit that we love, he's a gentleman, they always say. He's not gonna force you to do a single thing. So if you feel pressure with something, it is not your father. If you hear words like, you should, you better, if, that isn't your father. He would say, do it. He wouldn't say, you should do it, Or you better do it. And he would say, do this. This will be the result. Do this. Preach the gospel to that person. Invite that person to church. Be in the Christmas program. That's how he operates. So we have to decide. When we hear that voice come to us, we have to make a decision. And then verse 8 through 10, um, Jesus was attacked in his soul. So if you go there. In verse 8, it says, Again, the devil took him up on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory, the splendor, magnificence, preeminence, and excellence of them. And he said to him, These things, all taken together, I will give you if you will prostrate yourself before me and do homage and worship me. Do you think that appealed to Jesus? I think it appealed to him humanly because he knew that that was all coming to him, but he also knew what he had to do to get there. And the devil was saying, you won't have to go through any of that. I mean, the devil didn't know, but but Jesus did. You don't have to go through any of that. I could just like bow down and I would still have all that authority. But of course, he knew that was a lie and he knew what God had said, what his father had taught him. And so he, he said no to that thought. And he was very strong. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. He was like, I've had enough. For it has been written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. So he immediately replaced that thought for the truth. So how does the devil appeal to our minds? and to our souls, I should say, our emotions, our feelings. He says things like, you'll have more fun. You'll have more fun. It will be easier. More people will like you. It won't hurt. It's all about how smart you are. You should worry about that. I think that's a huge one. I think he says that to a lot of people all the time. You hear something on the news, or you see a symptom in your body, or something happens at work, and he says to you, you should worry about that. Hmm. You really should worry about that. Which basically worry is thinking about what you shouldn't be thinking about. Letting your mind think about whatever it wants. That's what worry is. It could happen to you. You'll never do better. You don't do enough. So when we hear those things in our minds, just like Jesus, in each and every instance, counteract the attack with the word of God spoken out of your mouth. That's exactly what he did. Every response was a scripture. Now, I I feel like you can also speak things like, no, and just get the thought out of there or know in the name of Jesus. But the the real power and confidence will come when you have a word to speak to it. So that that might do in the moment, but then go find your word to speak to it. Jesus had a word to counteract every lie that the devil brought his way. And so what happened? In verse 11, it says, Then the devil departed from him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him, Jesus. So, he left him alone. Not forever, but he did. So, what were you thinking that brought you to where you are today? Probably some really good things you were thinking. Maybe some other things you're like, I wish I wouldn't have thought on that, because that's probably why this is happening right now. Receive a word from the word and speak it to your mind. So, whatever battle that is waging in your mind, don't just let your mind think about whatever it wants go to God and say, I need a word. And let him find you a word in his word that you can start speaking to that part of your mind and stop that cycle of thought within you. I mentioned this earlier in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. It says, it's talking about the armor of God. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Because when we speak that word, you know, we got to mix it with faith. We have to believe what we're saying. It says, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Those thoughts are like fiery darts coming at you. Put up that shield of faith. And then it says, and take the helmet of salvation. Cover that mind. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So you, that thought comes on you. You put on the helmet of salvation. I'm a saved one. I'm redeemed. Everything in this word is mine. I'm putting up my faith shield. I believe what I'm just about to speak here. And then you put out that sword and you say that word. And you just slice that lie of the enemy right in half. I'm going to give you some ex- a couple of examples, current examples. And i shared this on a Wednesday night in the last year, but I'm going to share it again. Because, you know, there's a lot of evil happening right now that's kind of random, like what just happened yesterday in Northern California. That's pretty random. Random evil, that's kind of the word that comes to me. And so what does the devil want us to feel when we see those news reports and think about Fear. Be all scared because fear paralyzes. Fear dominates. It can completely control you. And so he, he, we, if we let our minds think about whatever we want to think about. If I let my mind think about whatever it wanted to think about with that, I don't even. I wouldn't be able to function. So I, the like. Uh two years ago maybe. I said to God, I need a word to counteract the lie. Because the lie is your children aren't safe, you're not safe at work, don't go to public places, you're not safe at church. I mean, you just feel like you're not safe at all. That's the thought that wants to run through your mind all the time, worried about what's gonna happen to your kids, your kids are okay. You gotta counteract that. You can't let that have its way. You can't let that happen that you will totally be paralyzed. So I said, God, I need a word, and he gave me one. And he will always give you one. And he gave me John chapter 16 verse 33. I have written in my Bible, word from God to me. <laughs> and I probably say this to my mind, Three to five times a day. Because it's, at, it's coming at you all the time. You turn that news on, it's coming at you. You look, go to Yahoo and look at news articles, it's coming at you. You watch your kid walk into the school, the fat thought wants to come at you. And so you have, to, you have to stop it right then and there. And so I stop it right then and there with this scripture. And this is Jesus speaking, and he is speaking it to you. And he says, I have told you these things. So that in me, you may have perfect peace and confidence. Perfect peace. That's the opposite of fear. Perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. That's the world around us. Are we in the world? I'm going to say no. Yeah, we're physically here in this world. We're in Christ. We're in Christ, we're not in the world. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident and certain and undaunted. Because it says, the first part of the verse, so that in me, that's where we are, you may have perfect peace and confidence. You can be of good cheer and then the final scripture, which is the main part that I speak. For I have overcome the world. And Amplified says, I have deprived it of power to harm you and I have conquered it for you. So that thought comes, you say, God has overcome the world for me. He has deprived it. He's taken away its power to harm me and he's conquered it for me. That puts that thought dead on the ground. If your shield of faith is up about that word, it can't stand. Because it says, I have done it. I have taken away its power. It has no power to harm you. A couple of other scriptures that I found as well. Um, that was the one that really was spoken to me. But a couple of others that I found in regard to terror um, that, I, that I speak in Isaiah 54. If you go to Isaiah 54. In verse 14, it says, You shall establish yourself in righteousness. You shall be far from even the thought of oppression. For you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. It shall not come near you. So when those thoughts come in, I am far from even the thought of oppression, for I shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near me. Poof. That thought has no room. No room to stand anymore. And then in Psalm 91, which the whole psalm, psalm is good. But verse 5 specifically, Psalm 91, 5. It says, You shall not be afraid of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. That thought comes. I shall not be afraid of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Only a spectator shall I be, myself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High, as I witness the reward of the wicked. I'm a witness, and I don't receive it. Because I have made the Lord my refuge and the Most High my dwelling place. There shall no evil befall me, nor any plague or calamity come near my tent. Anyway, the whole, the whole chapter is awesome. But that's what it's all about. You find that word, receive that word, and speak it to your mind, and not allow your mind to think about whatever it wants, and be free, and walk in victory, and total peace and joy. Recently, in the past year or so, a word that I received from God in this same, for the same purpose in John chapter 11, so the thoughts would come at me in these situations in my life this year that it's not going to work out. Oh, see, that's why I need a new Bible, guys. <laughs> it doesn't have any cover anymore, and it just falls out. <laughs> Oh, boy. I think I said that the last time I ministered, and I still have one. It's hard to get a new Bible. But anyway, in John chapter 11, so the devil wants to say to me, in, in these situations in my life this year, he wants to say it's not going to work out. Because sometimes, physically, looking with my eyes, that's really what it does seem. But that isn't what God says. So it's not true. And so I'm not going to let that thought roll around. It's not going to work out. No. No. not going to let that thought. This is the word God gave to me that I speak. At least once a day in the morning. In verse 40, and this is the account of Lazarus. And so remember when Lazarus was sick and his sisters, you know, reached out to Jesus, Jesus didn't come right away. And I don't fully understand why, um, but he didn't. And Lazarus died. And so at this point in the story he has asked to be taken to the tomb and he is going to raise him from the dead but mary or martha which one is it martha Martha doesn't really get that you know she's really living in the natural she's totally letting her mind think whatever it wants and she's saying to jesus Jesus is telling them to roll the stone away and she's like jesus he stinks that's basically what she says because he's been dead for four days and that's sometimes what like, my brain wants to say. Jesus, this stinks. There's, this thing's totally dead. This isn't gonna work out. That's totally what it seems like physically, naturally. But in verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you and promise you that if you would believe and rely on me that you would see the glory of God? So when that thought comes to me, it's not gonna work out, I say, Jesus said to me and promised me that if I would believe and rely on him, that I will see the glory of God. Thought goes away, has to. Replaced with the truth, the shield of faith, sword of the spirit, helmet of salvation, gonna walk in it. I will see the glory of God. So that's how it works. So some things I want to encourage you about. Know your weaker areas and don't go there in your mind. So like if you know that something is going to cause you to fear. Or something is going to. Basically fear. Fear is the big thing. Fear is really what the devil wants you to do. Because it just zaps all of your faith. In fact I have this in the next little section here. But. I'll say it now. If you keep thinking about it, if you don't take, take control over your thoughts, you're going to eventually give into it. And things that he wants you to give into are fear, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, sin, any type of sin. That's really what you'll eventually give yourself into if you don't take authority over your mind and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So know your weaker areas and don't go there in your mind. Don't even like a little bit go there in your mind. If you know something's gonna cause fear, don't look at it, don't think about it, don't see it, don't talk about it. You stay away from it. Just kind of like an alcoholic, a recovering alcoholic isn't gonna go into a bar. They're like told that, an AA, like don't even get near it. You know, don't don't put yourself in a place of temptation. So like an example to me, because ever since I've had children, I'm not going to watch a TV show or a movie that has violence against children. Even if there's some redemptive ending, I don't want to watch it. Because that that's a weak area. I don't want to fear about that. So why, why put yourself into a position to fear that? If I could tell young kids, Christian young kids, who love to watch horror movies, don't do it. Do you realize all you're doing is saying, hey, make me fear, devil. I used to like horror movies, and then I got that revelation. Like, why am I putting myself in a position to be afraid? Why am I inviting fear into my life? It's, hear that, kids. But watch those weak areas. Watch those weak areas. Like, for example, I was visiting with some ladies that work about movies out, and there was that there's newer movie called The Shack, Anyway, I thought it was like a Christian movie, and maybe it is still. But someone had seen it and um, was telling me about it, and the little girl gets kidnapped in it. I'm not telling you guys, sorry, you were wanting to see it. And I'm like, I'm not watching that. I don't care if it's a Christian movie. I'm not watching it. Because I'm not going to get to, in that weak area of me, I'm not going to minister to that. So, you know, know your weaker areas and don't go there in your mind. If there's something in God's word that is hard for you to grab on and believe, don't go in your mind questioning it. Sometimes people think they're big and tough so if they can like question God's word and talk it out. And like um, I, hope I'm, I hope I'm making sense what I mean there. But if, if, you, if you have trouble believing that, don't do that. <laughs> You're just like opening yourself up to question God's truthfulness. Don't even go there in your mind. Just choose to believe it. And you'll see the fruit of it, and you'll know it's real. So, of course, if you keep thinking about it, it just, you'll eventually give in to it. Fear, bitterness, anger, sin. Really, the difference between you and a psychopath is that a, psycho, a psychopath kept thought, thinking about it. That's basically the difference. You know? There's always a root. So whatever that psychopath's root was, whether it was they were abused as a child, or they were, they're were they bitter against someone or whatever. They just kept thinking about, thinking, about thinking, about thinking about it and 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 thinking about it on and on and on. Never took any authority, totally let their mind, do whatever it wanted, started imagining things, and then they did it. So that's really the only difference. So don't be a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> don't think about things that you shouldn't be thinking about. And to finish up... The world's wisdom even supports this truth. So I recently went to a training for work called Crucial Conversations. It's actually, do you know of it, Donna? It's actually a very famous book, and Wells Fargo has adopted some of its trainings for their management teams. And part of it, there's a lot about it, but a section of it is about um, telling your story. And so it talks about, this is how people operate. They see and hear something. So they see it or they hear something. Then they start to tell themselves a story about it. There might be no factual basis. This is all in their mind. But they have seen something or heard something and then they just start telling themselves a story about it. This person meant this by saying, doing that, and this is why they did it, and um, they don't like me. That's, you know, they just start telling themselves a story. Then they start to have feelings that come out of anger or sadness or hurt or it leads to the feelings and then they act. And so when a person acts, they've probably thought about it forever and so now they're acting based on what, what based on the story that they've told themselves. And so in this training, they talk about how you need to separate fact from your story. What actually happened? And what, are, what's this, and what is just the story you're telling yourself about it? So then when you've separated those, then you can act appropriately based on the facts, and you can go to that person and you can say, this is factually what happened, and this is how it made me feel, but what really did you mean about it? And then you can have a better conversation instead of going up to someone and saying, you did this, and this is why you did it, and this is how it made me feel, and you're a terrible person, and then they get on the defense, and they're like, that isn't what I meant by that, and, oh, and it's no good. But, but the same thing applies. What if you changed your story? What, if there's something that you're, you've been thinking about for a while that is not fact, truth, God's word, what if you changed that? What if you stop telling yourself that story and replaced it with God what God's word said. How would that change your life? Let's read two more scriptures before we go. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 8. It says, "Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. It's so clear. It covers it all. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours. This is amplified, so it's wordy. That tranquil state of a soul, sure of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Then in verse 8, tells you right here what to think about. For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your minds on them. So if you're thinking about something and you go to the scripture and it doesn't fit in any of those categories, you probably need to stop right away and find out what God says about it. That's what he says to fix your mind on. One more scripture. Isaiah 26. 26, 26.3 He says, You will, speaking to God, You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. King James says, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. So. Fix your minds on him, which is his word. Trust him. He will keep you in perfect peace, he says. So, Don't let your mind think about whatever it wants. That's the main thing to take away. Thank you. And I went the whole